Welcome back to One Book That Changed My Life, where entrepreneurs and experts share one book and the life-changing principles they applied. If you love that flash, that spark of inspiration when a great idea just leaps off the page at you, but you don't have time for all the amazing books you run across, then this podcast is designed for you. In each episode, you'll discover business books, past and present, that are changing the lives of people just like you and come away with insights you can put into action right now. So let's jump into the latest book. Welcome back, everybody. This is one book that changed my life. I'm super excited. We were talking about the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. Our guest today is Brian Bogert, and we've got an amazing conversation lined up. We're going to talk about how the book really changed the difference between the fixed uh, and growth mindset, how he implemented that breakthrough idea, and just really the timeless principle that is that approach to mindset. Uh, we've got a bunch of stuff to get into. So, uh, you know, Brian, you've got a whole insane background, right? I mean, your, your background story is crazy. What you do now, you've got three different companies, plus you're doing coaching and motivational speaking and all this stuff. You've hit the 40 under 40 list and all these fun things. So my question, first of all, is when you run into somebody that's kind of in our world, how in the hell do you explain what you do? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I recently started saying that uh, I help giants become legends by helping them grab what they think is just out of their grasp. And my team describes me as a heart surgeon without a blade because I go inside, pull out people's hearts, fix it and put it back in better. And so take either one of those. I, I you know, I, I like to just say that I like to connect with people to elevate and empower them to become the best version of who they are. Right. I love it. I was going to say the uh, taking your heart out without cutting into your chest. That's a good, that's a good cocktail party intro. You know, like kind of what, yeah. what the, what in the heck does that mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you're in this time of your life where you've exited your, your company, you grew that company 15 million over the course of a decade. Awesome. So you have this experience where you've, you've done the legit, you know, entrepreneur route and, and now you've exited and you're on the other side and you're kind of in the, the impact phase, like we were talking about before we hit record. So it's a really cool phase to get into. And I know a lot of the people that are listening can identify it. either they're building up to it or they're, or they're in it. So I'm just curious before we get into kind of your background and stuff, is there anything interesting that you noticed about your own energy and just how you shifted when you exited and all of a sudden you realize, okay, now I'm in the phase where I get to impact a lot of people and I get to shift my focus to that and away from just growing a company. Uh, what was the, what was the internal shift? Like, what was your energy like? Yeah. So it was a process over the course of probably nine to 12 months. You know, when you shut off a switch that's been on for 10, 15, 20 years in your life, it's not like you just all of a sudden flip the switch and it changes. Um, and so there was all these different layers that I had to shed about myself, my patterns, my beliefs, as I was entering back into the space that gave me way more freedom than I had before. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting is I would tell you the greatest shift is that I would have told you for years, literally probably the last 20 years that I'm not a creative person. Really? And I would tell you that over the course of the last two years, since I exited and came in, I have identified and realized that I am highly creative, but my creativity was stifled based on the structure and the limitations that I had operating in the space that I was feeding off the energy that I was existing in. And that's not to suggest that I was unhappy. I had a great life. I had a great path, but creativity is the biggest shift. I get to feel like now I wake up in the morning and I get to tap into creativity. And as I mentioned to you earlier, it's like I'm playing in my own little sandbox every single day. <laughs> um, you know, I operated in a more traditional type business in the corporate mm -hmm. world that had much more expectations around how you showed up. A lot mm -hmm. of the narratives that the world implies and tells you who you need to be. And so I lost who I was in my last business, which also meant I lost my creativity and my spark. But as I've gotten back connected to who I am, what I've realized is that all the what's in my world are a manifestation of who I am, not the other way around. And so it's been a really, really powerful shift for me. Uh, and I'm just, I'm living my best life, brother. Yeah. 
It's really amazing. I, I think it's just creativity is interesting because it is a it's a big function of how much mental and emotional space you have. And like you yeah. said, when you're when you're just running, 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 especially if you're in a space where there's your everything has to be channeled in a certain way and a certain persona, that makes total sense as to why I just kind of stifled that. So it's interesting that now you get to be playful and creative when yeah. you didn't really even think that wasn't even part of your identity. It sounds like until just at all, like I literally told people I'm not creative. I wish I was creative. And in the last few years, I've taken up photography and videography and I'm expressing myself creatively through writing and speaking and words and situations. And it's just, it's magical when you get to see like a whole light starts to shine in a place that it hasn't shined in a long time, you feel mm -hmm. more alive than you have in a long time as well. All right. So one more question before we get into the background, who's your favorite type of person to really dive in and do that heart-centered work with? So I like to work with people who've already reached some level of success, who already understand the basics around discipline, who have strategies and tactics that have been working in their world. Mm -hmm. But what I also recognize is that most entrepreneurs, most people in general think that they're stuck for the wrong reasons. They think it's because of the wrong strategy and tactics in their life. If I go get X, Y, and Z, I can, I can make myself better. I can make more money. I can have better sales. But in working with some of the highest performers, what we know is that it's the emotional triggers, behavioral patterns, and environmental conditioning that actually keeps us stuck. Mm -hmm. So I really like working with heart-centered entrepreneurs who've already had some high level of, of success, who mm -hmm. probably don't understand or are at least vulnerable enough to recognize that they are the greatest impact limiting themselves, their relationships, and the growth of their business. Mm -hmm. And so those that come ready to be open and actually do the internal work are the ones that have the greatest amount of transformation. Yeah. And so that's one of my vetting processes is, is individuals to recognize that by the time they get to me, they've tried a bunch of stuff that still hasn't worked. And all of a sudden we have a chance to actually show them what transformation can look like. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Uh, we've got a client that has a, um, a coaching business in that space where, where people will come to her because they think productivity is the problem and it's never the problem. It's actually all the emotional and you, you mentioned yeah. the environmental triggers as well. Yeah. It's all that stuff that actually causes us to be our own bottleneck, which I would tend to agree with. Okay. So, uh, so set the scene for me a little bit, go back before you came across the book mindset and, uh, and what were you doing? What was your business and your life like at the time? Yeah. So, you know, we, we, this was about seven years ago about, and so by that time we had already had pretty good success in the business. I think we were cranking along at the time, maybe seven or 8 million, um, and in our risk management employee benefits consulting business. But, you know, truly what I didn't realize, and it was truly around the same time, I woke up one day and realized that I had accomplished all the what's in the world that I ever wanted, what house, what car, what amount of money, what amount of success by the time I was age 27. Wow. And so I guess it was closer to a decade ago that I started to actually unravel this, but the book came in at the perfect time because I woke up with, in circles with people making multiple six figures, seven figures, eight figures in some cases, so many people who were miserable. Hmm. And it yeah. really started to help me understand that like I truly, although I think I do have a growth mindset and I'm open to that, it also allowed me to realize how much I was subjected to a fixed mindset in different environments that I operated in. And what I didn't quite understand, but started to unpack around the same time is that I was impacted by shame at a very, very deep level that actually was causing me to pull the throttle back in my life so that I was mm -hmm. living less big. I mm -hmm. was protecting myself in the way that I operated. I was protecting myself because I was so driven towards outcomes that I also didn't have the ability to celebrate the now, be present, be here, be where my feet are, and actually mm -hmm. really celebrate the process because that's where the fun and the joy comes from. Wow. Okay. So you're, you're growing the business. You have this kind of the creativity is shut down. You are on a mission to continue to grow the business, but you have a, a similar experience to I do. You start to get around people and you realize that whether you're happy or not isn't really tied to your level of success. It's kind of like you can, you kind of have to choose to be happy at, at any level. 
so what was the big insight? So the book, you come across the book. I don't know if you remember how you came across it and feel yeah. free if, if you do remember. So tell me like when the book came, came into your life and what was the thing that hit you hardest? So the book came in my life about seven years ago. I don't remember the exact person, but there was probably two individuals that it came from. And they were both individuals that I, I looked at as mentors or coaches at the time. So a friend of mine, Ben Newman, he's big in the coaching space today. He was one of my first coaches, became a good friend. Mindset was something that he really talked a lot about. And then there was another guy by the name of Dr. Eric Potterat, who used to be the head psychologist for the Navy SEALs for about 25 years. Oh, and so I figured those were two pretty, pretty credible sources. And so I, I leaned into the book. and. You know, I'd heard about this concept of fixed and growth mindset, but I didn't really understand like the depth of what it meant and how much impact it could have. Hmm. And so to explain it, uh, not as well as the book does, but in the way I interpret it, a fixed mindset is this concept that we are born with the set of tools and abilities and skill sets, and that we are constantly going to have to use those same tools for the rest of our life to perform whatever we have, that we don't really yeah. have the ability to change our gifts, our insights, our abilities, right? It's you're born as this and now you get to live your life and that's how you're going to be judged by it. Hmm. Okay. Growth mindset is the concept that you're born as a starting place, this moldable clay. You've got the same set of tools that you're born with on the fixed side, but instead you have the ability to actually change out those tools, swap out the strategy and tactics, grow and improve, and that you actually start from a certain place. And if you choose to learn and grow beyond that. And so just that little concept also really brought home for me a lot of clarity. Although, you know, again, I've got a unique story. We won't go into that right now, but I knew very early that I couldn't remain fixed, but I didn't have this concept and ability to really separate the two because fixed focuses on outcomes. Okay. Okay. Fixed focuses on outcomes. So fixed is I have this set of the set of tools, but I need to do X, I need to do Y, I need to do Z so that I'm seen, I'm getting validated, I'm getting credible, I'm getting connected. Growth comes as in out like outward action, outward performance, outward, outward action, outward performance, literally outcomes. So it could even be, okay. hey, I have to be able to paint at a certain level. I have to be able mm -hmm. to test at a certain level. I've got to be able to sell at a certain level. Otherwise, I'm not good enough. Got it. Okay. So outward validation. Okay. Okay. Whereas, and it's on the outcome with which we have no control, right? right? Yeah. That's the other thing. We set outcomes, we set desires and goals and visions, but we typically have no control over whether or not we get there. We can influence yeah, the process right. to facilitate hopefully getting there, but we don't have control over the outcome. We never do, right? Yeah. Is somebody buys from us or not? We don't have control over that. We mm -hmm. just don't. And mm -hmm. so growth mindset, on the other hand, really focuses on the process. It's this concept and understanding that regardless of what's happening, if you really pay attention to doing everything you can right now, the small, regular, consistent tasks, and you learn to celebrate, understand where failure points come from, know when you're actually succeeding on that path, you can actually refine your process to continue to get closer and closer to said outcome. But it's also a release and surrender that we know we don't have control over the outcome. We only can control the process, how we show up right now, the way we're improving ourselves, the way we're putting ourselves mentally and emotionally into a state to perform. Right. Okay. Love it. A really different viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And although I knew what growth was, and that's how I am in a lot of areas of my life, what this book hit me at in the very specific time was I was also very fixed in a lot of ways. I was really? measuring my success, my validation, my worth, again, based on those external what's the outcome, the right. house, the yeah. car, the money, the success. Mm -hmm. Right. But what it did was it contributed to losing who I was. Okay. So, so I came across the same insight probably a little bit after you, but 
through a completely different book. I've never read Mindset by Carol Dweck, which I probably should, but I came across it through, uh, do you remember this book that came out? The Score Takes Care of Itself by Bill Walsh, the oh, ex 49ers yeah. yeah. coach. Oh my God, I love that book. I was just rereading it again the other day. Uh, same exact, like same, he didn't put it in terms of fixed or growth, but the exact same core insight, uh, which I love. What's interesting, I don't know if it did the same thing for you. Here's what it did for me. It freed me up from, you know, the idea that you have to have your mindset or 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 all of you have to believe in the success before you have it. That always bothered me because I looked at all the examples of people who had no idea they were going to win until they actually won. And Bill Walsh is a good example. He didn't like, he basically said, Oh, yep. There is no timetable for winning the Super Bowl here. We're trying to get the process right. And the process will set the stage to win. And he was right. Like he was, he, he turned out to be right. Um, so how, so how did that affect you? You've got this, you realize that you start you know, you don't have the, the the growth mindset that you want in certain other areas of your life. You realize that the business is kind of like holding you back from actually getting that kind of fulfillment and even implementing that growth mindset in other parts of your life. Uh, what did you start to do? Did you start to make material changes? Did you did it free you up from anything in the business? Uh, how did you start to implement that core idea? Yeah. So one of the one of the biggest areas was truly in how I just approached my day to day. And okay. so when this book came into my life it was also right around the time that I had hired my first coach about a year afterwards, it came into my life right around the time that I had recognized I wasn't the husband, father, and man that I always said I was going to be, which was that I was going to do everything for the benefit of my family. But mm-hmm. that doesn't really matter if I'm not there. Right. <laughs> so I missed the first six months of my kid's life. Yeah. And, um, you know, other than the first week, other than my intentional things, cause I'm burning the candle on both ends. And so I hired this coach and this book came to my life at the right time, because what I was trying to do was raise my level of awareness and intentionality in everything I did. Okay. Because I wanted to be able to have the same or better outcomes with less input, mm-hmm. right? I wanted to get more efficient and more effective in everything I was doing so that I could spend the time in the areas that I wanted to start to build my life in alignment so it could become self-regulated. So this mm-hmm. book was one of those things that helped me do that because at the time I was feeling resistance and energy drain. I was constricted in my business because I was so focused on the annual sales goals. What percentage of growth are we going to have? Are we going to be able to hire people? Are we going to be able to do these things? And when I started to really get attached to those outcomes, it was actually, again, limiting my ability to show up and be effective in any particular meeting to lead our people at the same level, because I was experiencing Mm. all this pressure on something Mm. I couldn't control. Yeah. Okay. And so this book started to help me shift into the intentional daily actions that I could take. And this was around the time that I really started to focus on my daily actions, my morning routine, the way mm-hmm. I actually start focusing and showing up with my wife and my kids, what I can do to manage my process for outbound sales in any of my businesses that I'm growing, how mm-hmm. to establish and effectively lead my teams, work with our clients. Truly, I started to put a intentional thought process around the actions I could control every single day that would drive towards the direction of the outcome I desired, knowing I wouldn't have control over it. it. And as soon as I started to detach from Mm -hmm. the outcome, because I was attached for so long, when I detached, we amplified, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's like when you're golfing, right. And you go, you grip the club too tight, right. The reality of it is if you grip the club too tight, you're going to shank it. You're not going to have a fluid flow. Mm -hmm. And so this was the beginning steps of me starting to really get into this concept of trust, surrender, breathe, which are three words tattooed on my left arm. um, (laughs) Because that's what I started to do it. You know, I know there's something as well that we'll reference in another part of uh, this conversation, but how it actually impacted the way I showed up with my family was pretty impactful as well. Let's take a quick break from the conversation. Are you interested in running a podcast like this? Then check out our done for you service and grab a 15 minute podcast brainstorm call. We'll talk through your podcast idea and the business behind it. So you'll know exactly how a podcast can attract ideal clients and bring you five to 10 X return. 
Schedule your call today at pursuingresults.com. And now let's jump back into the conversation. Let's get into it. Uh, it really helped me get very, very clear. Um, page 157 in the book is something I always point people to. Because what it really helps you understand is what does fixed and growth mindset language look like? Hmm. And so this section of the book is written for parents, teachers, coaches, employers to really understand, particularly for kids, but also anybody that we work with language that can actually extract the growth mindset from them or reinforce that fixed is all they're going to live and exist. Right. And so I'll give a couple examples on what that looks like, because this changed the way I parent. Hmm. This put intentionality in the language and approach that I have with my kids. Right. So I'll give a couple of examples. Fixed mindset language looks like this. Oh man, Tommy, you crushed it. I can't, you got an A on that test. You are so smart. It is incredible. I just love that you are getting straight A's. You are performing at a high level. You're so smart. You're so gifted. Okay. Another example. I'm going to give two or three. Okay? Okay. Another example. Oh, Johnny, man, you have such a gift for art. It's amazing when you actually draw. It's as if you're, you're Picasso. Hmm. It's amazing. Continue to do it. Okay. Focuses on the outcome. Here's growth mindset language. And I'll tell you the difference afterwards. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tommy, you know, I think it's really awesome that you got an A on that test. But you know what I'm more proud of? I'm proud that I saw you hustle and you worked really hard consuming that information. You mm-hmm. studied relentlessly. You went to class. You showed up. You did the act. You, you did the actions that were necessary. And so, whether or not you got the A, I'm proud of you because you put in the work that was necessary to get the best outcome you could. Yeah, big difference. Wow. On on the other one, right? Hey, Johnny, mm-hmm. man, it's amazing. It is just so cool when we have the ability to create something that looks like an iconic piece of art. But the cool part is, is that this is a process and art is subjective. And it's something that you're going to have to learn and understand and grow because it's going to be something that's going to be in the eye of the beholder. So -hmm. what I love is that if you're passionate about this, I just want you to explore, have fun, really connect to the art and whatever the outcome is, is whatever the outcome is. If you end up being like Picasso, great. If not, it's a really fulfilling process for your creativity. And I'm just really proud of you either way. Yeah. The fixed mindset. I got a lot of the first. Oh, geez. If I don't get an A, (laughs) I'm not going to be viewed as smart. Yeah. Johnny hears it as, oh man, if I don't produce art that looks like Picasso, I'm not going to be viewed as artistic or talented or creative. Mm -hmm. And so what it does is it actually causes them to take a step back from the process because they're afraid they're going to be judged on the outcome. And that's just a subtle shift in language, but a powerful difference in what it embeds for the kid and the people hearing it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so let me ask you this. Now that you're more aware of the language, but you're also just kind of building in more of a growth mindset into all areas, do you find that the mindset comes first and you have to watch your language a lot less because it just starts to flow because just because it starts to become part of your identity and your natural mindset, as opposed to something you have to adjust. I think in the beginning to your point, exactly. It takes a higher level of awareness and intentionality to create those new patterns for language and how you actually communicate when you're celebrating something for someone else or yourself. Cause yeah. we do it to ourselves too. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so, yes. And then the more consistently we do it, it just becomes a natural state. Hmm. And so for me, it's really about getting detached. It's about learning to celebrate failure. And it's really about honing and celebrating the effort and the process versus independent of the outcome. So for my Hmm. kids, it's the same thing, right? I, my son, he's been in flag football. My biggest thing for him is I want him to have fun. I want him to learn the game. And the second it stops becoming fun, I don't want him in it. (laughs) 
And so the reality of it is that that's what I celebrate with him. It's like, dude, I always check in. Hey, did you have fun today? Hey, mm-hmm. make sure that uh, practice or the games. Like, did you have fun? Did you learn something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Awesome. I want to let you know, you did an awesome flagpole over there. And it was really cool to see you work your butt off, but I show every single time. I'm just proud of you when I show up and I see you put the effort in on the field, regardless yeah. of what you do. Yeah. It's just yeah. a slight a shift, but it's not celebrating something they can't control. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we do that to ourselves all the time. Yeah. The way that you would coach your parents is probably what a reflection of your inner self-talk. Exactly. Okay. Wow. All right. I'm going to have to chew on that for a while. We'll set that aside for a second. (laughs) Okay. Um, How do people connect with you? And then maybe I'll have a couple of selfish questions for you. Yeah. So if you're on social, you can follow me at at Bogert Brian on any channel. Um, You can check us out at brianboger.com. And through there, you can access the any one of our entities through some of the links. So you can learn more about our world, what we're doing to help people. Um, and then I do want to offer something, um, mm-hmm. to the audience, just if they're listening, um, you know, we're on a mission to impact a billion lives. And the only way we do that is collectively. And I'm also very, very aware that 99.9999999999% will never pay us a dollar. And we are very, very okay with that. Mm-hmm. And so we've created a free resource to be able to help people. So if you know who you are, you have no idea who you are, you're somewhere in between, this will be of a value resource for you. Go to nolimitsprelude.com and you'll get access to the introduction and first chapter of our entire course. There's over 30 minutes of video content that are there. And I'm going to give a giant disclaimer. Yes, you trade your email to get access to this. Yes, you will get emails through the course to make sure that you're getting the support that you need. And when you're done with it, regardless of whether or not you purchase beyond that, yes, you'll get four emails to make sure that we can engage with you beyond that. But I tell you all this to say... This is not to put you into some spamming list. This is a way to helpfully help you elevate and empower, which is why I want you to know what you're going to get before you even get into it. Because this isn't a game. It's no trick. This is truly trying to add value. The only request I have is if it moves you, I just ask you to move it through the world because moved people Mm -hmm. move people and we need all the help we can get, brother. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, for something to spread to a billion people, there's got to be a word of mouth component in there. Uh, So no limits, prelude.com, right? Yep. Perfect. Okay. By the way, I love that you prep people for exactly what to expect. That's very like, I, I respect people that do that. I'm a big fan of like guys like Andre Chaperone. And that's one of his big things is you tell people exactly what you're going to expect because you treat them like friends, treat them like they're going to be very happy to be in your world. So I love that. Okay. So my question is, so right now you are, we, we talked about a little bit about this before we hit record. I want to bring this to the audience. So you've got your, your core motivational coaching, speaking business, yep. right? And then you've got three other ventures and companies that you're involved with. So I want you to tell the audience how you spread your time uh, among those so that you keep all those things pushing forward. Cause I think people can really identify with that. Yeah. So first and foremost, I have to say that like what I've learned in business and entrepreneur, and, and this is one of the tips I work with all my clients on is before I do anything, I ask myself three questions. Is this something that only I can do? Is this something that someone else can do? Is it something that even needs to be done? Most entrepreneurs find ways to keep themselves busy and put themselves into a place where they're giving themselves a job versus understanding how to leverage and scale their time, whether it be through systems, people, or other resources. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I have to say, because the only way you can pivot and to do these things is if you're very, very aware of where you're spending your time. Yeah. Now, you and I talked about this before the call. I'm very big on setting my life up with intention. I'm very big on establishing and building my life with intentional alignment so that it can become self-regulating. I know what fits and what doesn't. But what I also recognize is there is no work-life balance. I only believe Mm -hmm. in integration, right? Because the reality of it is what gets our attention is what's in front of us or where we choose to put things in front of us. Mm -hmm. And so for me, as we're impacting and scaling these things, I align myself with business partners because I don't want to do anything alone anymore. 
one. And two, what I recognize is the things that only I can do don't require me to be in each one of my businesses full time. Yeah. It allows me to do what I do and leverage our partnership as well as the people that we have supporting us and the systems that we've built around them to be able to be efficient and effective in how we deliver our solutions. So I have four different entities that I'm actively involved in. I probably spend 40 to 50% of my time in my coaching, speaking, and everything that we're doing with courses and communities over here, because that's my passion project. It's where I really like live and love and enjoy, but I also have fun in these other areas. And then each one of the other ones, probably the rest of the time is distributed somewhat evenly across them on a regular weekly basis. Mm -hmm. But the way I've built my life and my schedule that allows me to pivot and flow where the attention is needed. Right. So I was talking to you about an example with one of our entities that needed some attention three weeks ago. I thought we were further along in some of the systems and some of the structure to support our salespeople than we really were. And when I had an update call with one of our salespeople, I recognized, hey, there's some gaps here in us delivering at the standard that I expect. Yeah. So I literally pivoted my energy into focus and really helped establish those things over the course of two to three weeks. Now that we're there, we've created this baseline of consistency. Now I get to step myself back out again. Mm -hmm. But again, now I can reallocate that focus to somewhere else. Yeah. But because I've got teams structured in each one of these areas, the other thing is, is when I need to pivot my attention, everybody knows why, what's happening and where I'm actually at and where my attention is going. So they know where they need to carry the weight when I'm not active and present. Yeah. And so it's all coming through communication and it's all coming through connection with my partners, with the associates that we work with and our clients. Because if we don't have clarity in those things, we can't pivot and flow where we need to because we're yeah. then restricted by structure that won't allow us to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love the, just that mentality of flowing. It's something that I'm, I'm trying to adopt. It's not easy. All right. Final selfish question, uh, extrovert or introvert? <laughs> you know, I used to think definitively I was an extrovert. Yeah. And recently I actually believe that I'm an extroverted introvert. Interesting. I never put so much value until I started going through this process of flowing my consciousness and meditation work on how much I need quiet internal time. Yep. Me too. Recharge. I'm an extroverted introvert. Yeah. It's uh yeah. If you got into that space where you're like running, 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 like you can convince yourself you're an extrovert because you force yep. yourself to be, because that's what it takes to grow the company or so, or so you think that's not always true. Um, and Derek Sivers is a good example of somebody that grew a $25 yep. million company, uh, and was extremely introverted. Um, but that's rare. Like it's really rare. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's interesting that you say that. Cause I could totally, I could totally see that being the case. You're someone that comes across very extroverted, but I was curious if then you want to go unplug and yeah. journal and meditate. But that's and- something I'm working on right now is, is literally creating more boundaries to protect my energy and my time in my space. Yep. Because I'm one that wants to serve so much too, that I put myself into that extroverted role so often, not because mm-hmm. I think I have to, but because I truly believe that's how I need to operate when I want to create impact. Yeah. And so, but what I'm also learning is, is that the more I can be, the more I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. I did a whole episode on like the nine boundaries that I put around my life as an introvert. There's, there's a lot of them. Uh, it's one of the best things I've ever done. So anyway, uh, all right, everybody, thank you so much for listening and watching. If you want to run a podcast like this, where you get to have uh, really awesome conversations with smart people, uh, just reach out. There'll be a link around this episode where you can check out our agency. We do all the done free work. We actually book the guests for you and all that fun stuff. And then hopefully you go to no limits, Hopefully I got the URL, right. Uh, get into the free course, just get into Brian's world. Uh, obviously they want to impact a lot of people. And if you're listening to this and you know, know somebody 
that can help further that mission to reach a billion people and you want to connect up, or if you've got an introduction in mind, just reach out to Brian, reach out to me and I'll connect you or whatever, but be looking for opportunities to, to connect him with other big name people in the spaces that are doing events, uh, podcasts or collaborations uh, that, that Brian might be able to connect with and get access to, to a bigger audience. Cause that's uh, that's one of the best ways that we as an audience can, can help you. So again, appreciate your time. I know we got a hard, hard stop. So um, this is a blast and I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Dude. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the show. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other entrepreneurs and experts. Every time you share the show, you're putting life-changing ideas into someone's life. Now, to get the micro-famous field report that helps you turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, go to microfamous.substack.com and enter your email to access it for free. That's where you get all my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, everything goes into the micro-famous field report. So go to Substack, sign up for that today so you get that. And stay tuned for the next episode of One Book That Changed My Life. We'll see you there.